In this episode of the Explore Information Security Podcast, How to Build Your Own Tools, Part 1. Welcome to the Explore Information Security Podcast, where you will learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I am your host, Timothy D. Block, and in this episode, we will be exploring how to build your own tools. Joining me today to help answer this question is Chris Madalena, Senior Security Consultant. Chris, how are you? Hey, Tim. I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me back. So should we really just call this like the bird feeder episode, like how to build your own bird feeder? I mean, I, I assume that's what you were going to do anyways. <laughs> I thought about it. I don't think people would have gotten it. Um, no, no, I don't, I don't is, think they would. They, no. That might be just when they delete from their from their podcast app. And <laughs> you know, the, yeah. So, but, it's got in there. <laughs> right. So, so, so for, for people that aren't getting the inside joke here, if you all listen to, to the DEF CON uh, what is, what is DEF CON? I can't remember the title. It's our DEF CON special for the podcast. Yeah. And we had three of us sitting around a room in Vegas, uh, oohing and aahing at the, the fountains and talking about bird feeders, which by the way, I did, I did, uh, shout out to, to Anthony here. I did meet up with a listener who said, um, he and some other coworkers, were like that's like a inside joke between them. Like they were like, "Did you listen to the episode?" And it was the response was, "Build your own bird feeder." So there were people that actually listened to it. It's kind of crazy, but I know I was impressed. Yeah, you, you had so little faith. <laughs> the episode was gold. It was yes, it was it was very uh, very entertaining. Um, people seem to like them, so we're going to continue to do them. Uh, maybe you and I. I don't know if you're. Uh, going to be at Code Mash. I know you talked about your schedule being crazy, but I think I think I may be there. Yeah, definitely. My you know my my wife is speaking, so I, I do want to see there do uh, see her talk. And originally, I was going to be out of town, but that uh, project has since I believe become remote. So Ooh. I might just be working from uh, from Ohio. That could be fun. We could do a podcast on that. <laughs> Be, just use very vague terms. Um, yeah, so and that, I'm hoping to. I've already talked to to Chris's wife about getting a podcast episode together for that one. So, and Code Mash for those that don't know is more like a developer. It's like the I guess could you call it the DerbyCon of developer co- podcast? Yeah, con? probably. It's yeah, it definitely has that same vibe to it. It's it they they have a lot of fun with it. I mean, they're they're. Uh, I mean, if you go and look at their websites. You see that they're very into bright orange, like the very almost gaudy, like hard to look at bright orange. And many of the, uh, uh, you know, the organizers, like one of the organizers, I forget his name, Prince. Is it Ben? I, I feel bad. I forgot his name. Okay. Uh, but uh, out if you want. Uh, no, no. Just, he's, he's easy to find uh, at the conference because he often dyes his hair like that same bright orange. And ah. many of the organizers will wear the like some sort of horrifically bright orange clothing and, and they kind of have fun with that. And usually one of the days they have uh, some sort of bar, you know, opened up, which seems like a very derby kind of thing to do, but I'm not talking about alcohol. I'm talking about like one year they had a bacon bar. It was Ooh. just like two dozen types of bacon, like every type of bacon you've ever heard of, how it was <laughs> smoked or but it was just a giant bar, like buffet bar of bacon. They always do a candy bar every year. Uh, so it's just, you know, they give you a bag and, bunch of different types of candy uh, and you can just go eat all the candy you want. Um, then I think last year they had a, a popcorn bar and it was like 
a ton of different types of caramel, like caramel popcorn, but they had like pistachio popcorn and it, it was weird. Some of it was actually pretty good, but it, it, they, they have, they have fun with it. And, and the talks are, there's a ton of tracks. Uh, but one of the things that's, um, you know, like I started getting involved with it because uh, a few years ago they got very serious about, um, getting a security track going, uh, you know, kind of having a, a track there for developers to come in and, and learn about security concepts, uh, in many ways. It was like, sort of a, a tutorial or getting started with security track mm-hmm. uh, with some a bit more serious one, you know, talks or workshops put on by OWASP or people related, you know, kind of associated with OWASP. Um, and uh, more and more people have gotten involved, which has been great. I mean, I think Trusted Sec has had a booth there because uh, they're, they're kind of local. Um, they've had a booth there. Uh, Tenable has come out. I mean, plus a lot of those companies, they, uh, they want developers, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, trusted sex slash binary defense. Binary defense usually has a has a show of force there, uh, which is cool to see those guys and uh, you know they're they're recruiting and and actually giving talks of their own. So no, it's a really cool conference. And plus, it's inside of a giant indoor water park, and all the attendees get uh, free wristbands going to the water park. So <laughs> yeah, that's fun. So we're about halfway to a why you should go to Code Bash conference or uh, <laughs> episode. So we'll we'll go ahead and shift back into probably what people are listening for and. Um, how to build your own tool, Good call. build your own tools. But so why should someone build their own tool? So, oh, all right. <laughs> you had the show notes, so you can't say, oh, no, no, I know, I know it's where to begin. Um, yeah, I, I would say the, the number one thing is it definitely helps us build your toolkit. And I mean, I, I think almost to answer that question, we need to maybe attack a different, uh, a different question, which is, why don't more people do it? And I was thinking about this earlier today as we were you know, getting ready to record this episode. And one of the things that came to mind that I thought about a lot is it, you might think that it's one of the biggest reasons just because people don't know how or or they don't they don't have a good idea. I hear that a lot from people. They say, like, you know, I really want to work on something. I don't have any good ideas. Uh, but really, if people think about it, they have almost an endless source of good ideas they just don't realize that they can automate something or that they could ha- write a tool that would fix something they do every day by hand. And so I think it comes down to that one of the things that keeps people from making a tool or, you know, kind of getting feedback is they don't want to put that idea out there or they're, you know, they're kind of afraid to ask. And so the number one thing I would say is if you if you can think of anything that can be automated, like is there something you do a couple times a month or a few times a week or, or every day, like if you do you write a report, you know, for pen testing or something? And is there like a piece of evidence you're always kind of formatting and fiddling around with in Word, getting it ready for your report or uh, or something you're doing on the pen test? It's just it's a procedure you always go through of like running a certain tool or, or what have you that you could automate. Then as long as it's repeatable and kind of the same every time you can probably write a tool that would do that for you. Uh, and as you, you can start small and work your way up. And one of the biggest things, even if you don't want to take on the, the task of building your own tool, like a whole framework, or you don't need to write the next Metasploit on your own. You don't need to do something like that. You can start off very, very small. And just by automating a few things, getting to know a, a language, like just getting to know Bash or getting to know Python, uh, you can eventually start understanding how the tools you use work, whether you're red team, blue team, a developer, you know, or well, I guess if you're a developer, you would know more about the languages anyways. Uh, but 
uh, no matter what you do, you're probably using a tool that might be a script. You know, the security community is rife with scripts and things you can find on GitHub that people use uh, every day. And when you once you're familiar with those languages, you can start diving into those tools a little bit to fix little quirks maybe you don't like or things that break sometimes. Uh, I mean, there's been a, a ton of tools that I use as you know as a pen tester that I just didn't like the output of the tool. And so I was I went in and I changed those statements just to change how the the data was formatted or how it was output. Uh, I mean, sometimes there's I, I've made changes to tools for as little things as like a typo that I frequently see that just irritates me. And I've gone and I fixed the typo or I've gone in and actually made changes to the tool in such a way that, uh, you know, I've totally reorganized the outputs or I've changed, you know, and then eventually I worked my way up to now I wasn't just reorganizing the output. I decided I actually wanted it to be output into like a spreadsheet rather than a text file. So I've changed it so it outputs you know, into a text file or uh, into a spreadsheet. So you can start working your way up and basically just kind of, I guess the answer to your question of why you would want to is at the very least to build familiarity with a language and grow your comfort level to be able to actually start diving into maybe just tools you use every day to make tweaks or just to better understand what a stack trace means when that tool bombs out and maybe you can actually fix it. Uh, and the next step there might be you start you contributing your changes back into the project, uh, or you can start sharing it even just amongst your team. Um, and I know uh, you know at work we have you know we have tools that we use that uh, we've made changes that are really more not necessarily for the public. Just you know, hey, our reporting format really wants this table to be like this, so we just modify the output. And so we kind of have our own version of certain tools that other people use, but we just kind of keep them in house and share them amongst ourselves because the changes are probably only useful to us. Uh, but you know, there's lots of things you can do that'll just make your life easier. And a lot of that comes through just building your own tools, writing your own scripts and letting that familiarity grow. And before you know it, you're, you'll be much more comfortable uh, taking on the task of creating your own script to, to do something new. So how much would you say, how important is it for, you know, someone like in your role where you're, you're pen testing, uh, environments? I think, uh, I, I think the skills that I've, I've collected from building some of my own tools and like writing my own scripts has been, I, I, I don't think I can even calculate the value, uh, because every day I sometimes I take it for granted because I, I will get, you know, I, I see questions online or I'm talking to someone and they, you know, I'll mention that I really like a certain tool uh, or something like that. And, you know, I'll you'll get the response back. Well, that tool never works for me. Or I always get this error. And if you if you can understand the stack trace, uh, you know, or look through it or, or find the problem in the code, uh, you can have a better understanding of maybe what's going wrong. And one of the things that's uh, kind of, you know, one of the downsides of all the scripts that we have floating around the security community is they're often written for functionality. They're not necessarily written to be user-friendly. They're often written by someone for what their needs were at the time. And eventually it became something kind of cool or unique. And so they shared it with the community, which is awesome. The downside is that there's often not documentation. Like I said, they're often not user-friendly. So you might find that you give it input that you expect to be correct. You know, it looks right. And then it just barfs or it doesn't work. You don't get the output. You know, the output's not right. So you, you, you can tell something's wrong. Uh, there might be obvious error messages, whatever. Uh, but it just looks like, well, this tool is busted. I'm not going to use it. 
when it turns out that it actually wanted that domain name, you know, formatted a certain way, or it wanted an IP address, not a host name, and it's not obvious. Uh, so you you try it a couple times, it screws up, it doesn't give you the right output, it fails, and you move on. Uh, where if you're if you feel comfortable actually diving into that Python and looking at it, you might then be able to quickly figure out. Uh, you know, oh, this is actually what's going on. This is the problem. That's why I'm getting this error, and you can fix it. Because uh, I know one of the things that's when you do get into scripts that where people have gone through the trouble of just adding like try accept in Python. So a script runs, and whatever block of code they had was running in a try block. It failed, but then nothing happened because they just had like a, a pass statement for the exception. So you never even see an error. You just think, well, it just died. So the very least, you can go in there and if you can understand it and you're, you're comfortable with that code, you can work through it, kind of figure out what it's doing and put in some debug statements, maybe just remove that try block to see what's failing and actually see like the full stack trace. Uh, I mean, I do that all the time with PowerShell scripts, Python scripts, uh, you know, all, all kinds of tools that I come across. I mean, and sometimes they're like very common tools. Like I've, I've done that sort of uh you know, debugging with even things like Impacket, uh, CrackMap Exec, uh, you know, uh, popular PowerShell tools, you know, being able to understand what's happening with the tool and how it works is extremely important to me. And it's, it's definitely made my life way easier than it would be if I was using that tool and kind of blind. Because if you don't understand the language and you don't understand how the tool works, when it breaks, you're going to be so in the dark it's going to be like you're you're blind trying to fix a car. You just you don't really know what's happening. So you're going to be kind of just if anything fumbling around, or going to be spending a lot of time looking at Stack Exchange or things like that, trying to find the answer. Uh, whereas I just I know at least from my own personal experience from building tools and actually working with those languages uh, and you know kind of working my way through uh, you know step by step and slowly growing more and more familiar with it that today I feel far more comfortable looking at those tools, looking at the source code and troubleshooting the errors. So now you said, you said tools and scripts. Do you, are you, do you consider them kind of interchangeable? Yeah, a little bit. I, I, yeah, I, I was actually noticing that while, while, while I've been talking is I tend to use um, tools, I guess, as you know, in some cases you have, in my mind, a little bit, uh, I think I, I tend to lean towards saying tools when I'm talking about, say, something like PowerShell Empire mm -hmm. uh, or or something that maybe is like a more fleshed out PowerShell module with, you know, like multiple scripts. Uh, you know, like I, I would call something like Bloodhound as a tool, uh, even though it, you could just say Bloodhound as a script. Uh, but I guess there's a bit more to Bloodhound that, you know, we, we so we call it a tool, uh, you know. And then you could go even deeper and you could say, well, like Metasploit, we call that framework. And, you know, Empire is kind of more of a framework. You have things built onto other things. Uh, where, and then I just think of scripts as kind of standalone things, you know, that you, it's just that one script you run and it does a, a specific task. But yeah, I mean, what I'm saying, tools or scripts or frameworks or any of that, I'm more just talking about something written probably in PowerShell, Python or Ruby. Uh, that is that is commonly used and, you know, helps me perform a job. Right. Yeah, I'd say almost I'd go back to your automation uh, at the beginning where you said you're just trying to automate something that you do yeah. over and over again. Cause, and that's that's something that I've had experience with myself as 
is uh, using PowerShell to get like something that I know would take me days to get done to, you know, you spend 30 minutes to an hour writing the script and it's once you run it and get it working, you know, it's pretty much done at that point. Um, yeah, yeah that, I mean, that's that's the beauty of it. And that's what really got me hooked was I, I have a job that I'm doing and it can be hard to get your mind into that. Just kind of into, you're kind of trying to get into that mindset where you're looking at a job, you have to do it. You know you have to do it frequently, but it always seems to catch you by surprise. Like you're 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 starting up that that project. You know, at some point in this project, you have to do this thing, and you get to that thing, and you you think, I should just automate this, or or I hate this part, or this always takes forever, and you don't. Maybe you even have that thought. I should automate this, and I will do it after this next time and then something else happens and a week goes by and then you have to do it again you go ah next time i'm gonna automate this as yeah, so just sitting down and doing it like you said you maybe spend two hours writing that script and it's kind of janky and you it's frustrating and it doesn't work quite right because you're you're new to using that module in python or, or whatever and you're kind of learning something new so you're spending a lot of time googling around it's taking you now longer to write the script than actually just to do the thing yourself but then when it works you're now saving that time every time you have to do it and i mean that's how i got started with it was just there was things for phishing campaigns uh, you know just cleaning up html and and some little tasks like that that would sometimes take me 10 minutes sometimes it would take me an hour just to get the styling right or get you know these links changed out or whatever it is I was doing and I realized that I could write a, a script that would automate this because I was always I was basically doing find and replace and searching around for things and if I found x replace it with y move on to the next thing I'm like I could just do this with a script and I took you know I sat down one Friday it was very painful <laughs> because it was something I was very unfamiliar with uh, and I figured out how to do it. I got it working. It took me, I think I kept adding things to it and tweaking it, making it better over like the next six months. But after that one, you know, couple hours uh, on a Friday, uh, I had it working and it saved me tons of time. You know, every time I had another, you know, need for that task to be completed. And then I was able to share it with you know people on my team and they found value in it. It was saving them time. And you know, collectively, that couple hours that I spent on a Friday probably saved, you know, us collectively as a team, you know, dozens of hours, you know, over the next, you know, few months of having to perform that task. You know, that's kind of where I got got hooked on the idea and started making myself automate things, uh, you know, when I saw the the possibility. Yeah, and I think phishing is a good example of get if someone's looking for like a starting point um I, i've heard that you're not the only pen tester i've heard from but even on the blue team side i know of one guy who who's really into powershell and we had to do we wanted to do our own phishing campaign internally and he scripted it all out in powershell so like there's multiple languages you can use for something like putting a phishing campaign together and i feel like it's it's simple enough too that it's a it's a good example of of what a lot of people are doing because, you know, there are paid tools out there, but there's also you spend an, a Saturday or, you know, a few hours in the afternoon and you can you can knock something out that's uh, very useful for your organization. Yeah, definitely. Uh, in my case, it was um, we were often, uh, you know, asked to like clone a Web page, you know, owned by the client, you know, you know, like, oh, hey, we have 
uh, we'd like you to maybe mix in some Outlook Web Access, or you know, they'd have some specific requests, you know, perhaps for like security uh, awareness training sort of thing. And so we'd go to the web page, you know, we'd find like a uh, you know a VPN page or something that they were interested in having us target, and we would try to clone that page or you know make something that looked like it or or whatever, uh, or just you know we wanted to to make up a kind of web page that looked like theirs. So you try to find a page that to make your life a little bit easier to, hey, we'll clone this somewhat empty page on their website that has like their branding, sort of their colors and style scheme, and we'll add our own content. But you have, what when you're cloning it from with just say like WGit, which you could totally do. You could use like WGit or curl, grab that page source and, and uh, go in and manually fix it up. Uh, but, and that's what I was doing effectively. But what I saw was the possibility that, hey, if I could just write a Python script, that would go and fetch the contents of a page and then go through and try to find things like relative links that would break, right? You know, you have the relative links that are just like, oh, in slash images, grab the logo.png. So I was like, hey, I could script it out, say, find all of the relative links and then append like the full URL. And, you know, I could pass the script, whatever, you know, whatever that base URL was for all the images and all the scripts and, you know, append that to the, the relative links so they will work. Uh, go through and you know maybe replace like links of a certain type with links now to my phishing server. Uh, and just there was a ton of stuff that once I started working on, I'm like, oh, you know, I, then I always have to change these out or there's always this thing. And it was for the next couple of months, you know, I'd come across something the script didn't do because it wasn't something I'd have to do every time. But then I would see, oh, actually, I what all I'm doing is looking for this certain thing to be in the web page, and if I find that, do this. So, when, basically, if you ever see yourself in that, you know, doing that sort of operation of if this, then that, that's something that can be easily scripted, and then you might even be able to start adding on to your tool, like, okay, well, if this, then do that, and then look for this, and if this, then do that, and by the by the end of it, I had a you know a script that's can go out and, you know, clone a web page and fix it up for me. Uh, and over time, I, I mean, I'll just say it's actually, it's, if anyone's curious, you can actually go through and see my horrible Python uh, from like July 2015. I think I originally started writing Cooper, which is available on my, you know, on my GitHub. You can go and go look at the commits from like the original version of Cooper, which is one giant script and it was terrible, <laughs> but it worked. And then you know, kind of look at how it proceeded. I'm not saying it's a perfect tool today, but it's a good indication of how things progressed just for my own Python and my own familiarity with Python was I learned interesting libraries and how to better make a command line tool. And I started putting all those things together and slowly I built up Cooper into something new that was when I originally made it so very focused on, I mean, there was things hard coded into Cooper that was like very specific to like the phishing tool I used at the time to where now it uses a config file that you can tell it what you want Cooper to do for certain variables. So like if you're using go fish, you can tell it to replace URLs with like the bracket bracket dot URL closing curly brackets rather, or if you're using fierce fish, you can tell it to replace it with, you know, the different placeholder link for the other phishing tools. Uh, and things like that, and just and that was a, a progression of like over two years. That slowly that tool did. I just kept revisiting it, and 
I'm a big proponent of that. I've, I've said that a lot in talks I've given and, and uh, Twitter and other places that, hey, you know, every few months, go back and look at something you've you made a year ago, you know, or just a few months ago, whatever, and just look at it. And you'll probably notice problems with it because you've, you've grown, uh, which is also just really great motivation to let you know that, hey, things are, you are actually getting better at this. Uh, and then you can fix it up and, and make it better and add improvements. It's just, I think it's an awesome way to learn. It's just that, it's that hands-on, build your tool, you know, automate something and revisit it. If it was useful and, you know, your team uses it, you brought it into the organization, that's awesome. And yeah, kind of maintain it, keep building on it, and you'll keep learning. And that will do it for part one. Hopefully you learned something. Feedback is welcome at timothy.dblock at gmail.com or on Twitter at timothydblock. Show notes can be found at timothydblock.com forward slash E-I-S. If you enjoyed the show, share it with others and rate it on iTunes. Have a good one.